1: All right, a real quick start, a 30-second. Sorry you all missed the five-minute countdown this time. We'll get back to that. I realize the five minutes is a chance for me to make sure it's working everywhere. 30 seconds, I can't test everything, so hopefully you're all watching Birdland tonight. It's Wednesday, February 17th. Pitchers and catchers had their first official workout today, so we're going to talk about that. Joining me tonight is Paul from the bat round How are you doing, Paul? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing fine. And Bob, uh, your Twitter name always confuses me. You're at the Oriole Report, but you're from On the Verge.
2: That's right. Maybe I should change my, uh, my handle, but so far that's how it is, yeah.
1: Or change the name of the show.
0: <laughs> that too?
1: One or the other. And then Andrew Stecka from Utah Street Report, who I saw had an article up this week.
0: I, you know, you inspired me. We talked on Saturday night and you gave me the, the awaiting beards and bellies idea. So I got a little romantic and got back uh, behind the computer and wrote a little something So for, for the first time since last uh, July. So, uh, yeah, new new piece up on UtahStreetReport.com. You can go
1: check it out. All right. Well, I've been thinking about beards and bellies ever since then. At least, <laughs> I mean, the countdown, that's what all this is. I don't know how you guys are. I am, COVID has ruined. The opening a spring training because you're oh, not yeah. getting all of these photos of the guys coming in out of shape and not ready for baseball all that's missing this year
3: absolutely yeah, it's been a it's been a weird start to I, I i posted on twitter the other day that i'm like starved for orioles content and yesterday and today still not much of anything i mean not not much out there with the whole COVID situation going on
1: yeah like we yeah. know they're there we just don't get to see it <laughs> Right. It's a little weird.
2: It took forever to see Felix Hernandez in the Orioles uniform, as weird as that looks. Finally got to see his belly, and he got to see Dean Kramer's flowing locks, which he looks pretty good, pretty good out there.
0: Well, what's good is at least when the games start up, we know that Masson will be broadcast. Wait, no, hold on. Never mind. Just kidding.
1: Right, We'll be here. (laughs) But, uh, no, but it's spring training. And you know what this means? The pitchers and catchers showed up on time. It gives us hope that we're going to have a real baseball season that we're going to have a full spring training and a full baseball season. At least baseball is attempting it, which is which gives has to give us all hope.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, you can't say for sure that you don't see any roadblocks coming up with this, but I mean, it seems like everything's kind of going off of the, without a hitch as much as it can right now. It remains to be seen because we felt great last year and then 3 weeks later we were in the middle of the shutdown. So, it remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful for right now.
2: If all the right. NFL can get through, you know, dead of winter and all the holidays, I think baseball should be all right.
1: And, and a big difference between last year and this year. Last year, we didn't know that this was that big of a deal. Yeah. Maybe we should have. Whatever, we didn't. So it's not like they're just going to start now and then uh, suddenly be surprised. So hopefully they've got better situation. And let's be honest, outside of the final game of the World Series, baseball handled COVID pretty good last year.
0: Yeah, I mean they had a couple of teams have have their issues, obviously the Marlins early on in the season. Um the Cardinals caught some cut some issues there toward the middle, but you know, with it being a, such a condensed season they were kind of there was less a little bit less of a magnifying glass on those things um hopefully over the extended what we what is hopefully a full 162 game season those things can be minimized as well obviously there's going to be you know until these guys are all getting vaccinated and and you know everybody's kind of clear of this there's probably going to be a few issues here and there that, that a few hiccups that pop up um, just because of the nature of this, of this pandemic and of this specific virus. And of course with variants out there now as well, but hopefully now that there's a a plan to, to be able to handle these things, they can go out and, you know, like you said, have a a more normal season.
2: Things got a little bit dicey in the world series too with Justin Turner, but you know, hopefully they learn from any mistakes that they made and, and they can only get better.
1: Right, and then on the Orioles front, I've lo- I've been to Sarasota. I don't think there's any big poker rooms or strip clubs or, <laughs> or casinos in Sarasota. I think we're pretty good there that the guys can stay focused on baseball.
0: Oh come on, Josh, you're just not looking hard enough.
1: <laughs> I know it's a pretty old population. In Sarasota. I know they've got the big circus museum and like the circus stuff. So maybe whatever you're into, you can find something down there. But, all right, let's talk about some of these pitchers. And I want to talk about the rotation as a whole, but let's back up first and let's talk about the three sign-ins that the Orioles made, which would have been big news seven, eight years ago. But now in 2020, we signed Matt Harvey, Felix Hernandez, and Wade LeBlanc. Let's get the easy one out of the way. Let's start with Wade LeBlanc. Paul, what does Wade LeBlanc bring to this team?
3: Um... (laughs) I mean, outside of I guess veteran savvy. I mean, last year he made what six starts, had an 8.06 ERA, uh, had to leave that start early against Boston after 13 pitches. Uh, but he he after his first, he was okay in his first start, and then after that he just he got knocked around, and some of it was bad luck, and some of it was ineffectiveness. Um, I I like that he feels determined that he wants to come in here and make good on what he on the contract that he signed last year by coming back and trying to help this team this year. It's just at this point in his career, I don't know how much he has left to offer. And honestly, between of the three signings, I feel like he's the guy on the outside looking in if the if you're going to have a five-man rotation. Six-man rotation would help his, his chances, but he seems the most destined for the minor leagues uh, out of the three to me. Uh,
1: that's interesting. I feel the complete opposite. Bob, how do you feel about Wade LeBlanc <laughs> going to this team? Now, those quotes that uh, Paul was just sharing gives me Chris Davis chills. But... <laughs> What do you think of Wade LeBlanc?
2: I agree with Paul. I think he's basically just a warm body. I think he's like a competitive arm, you know, that can really just be there in case there are injuries or or whatever. That he's, I feel like he's kind of a break glass in case of emergency. Best case, he could be, you know, this year's version of Tommy Malone, basically a more effective version of himself, and maybe he gets flipped for a international player to be named later or two. But I'm not too optimistic on his chances, to be honest with you.
1: All right, Andrew, I thought you take these three. Now, maybe it's that I just don't have any trust in the other two, but I thought that Wade LeBlanc's the only the guy who could put the Orioles in a similar situation as Andrew Kashner and Tommy Malone, that they could flip them around the trade deadline. Am I crazy? I, I don't know if you're crazy, but I'm not
0: hopeful for something like that. But then again, I do think of these three guys, he's the one that has the most potential to be the – you know, the crafty, I guess the crafty lefty that is able to eat some innings, perhaps. I mean, that's like a really, really low bar to set. Um, but, I, you know, he's also the one I think that from a health standpoint, I, I, I have no real like expectation that Matt Harvey will be able to stay remotely healthy. Um, Felix Hernandez, I guess a little bit more of an expectation, but there's a lot more to prove there with LeBlanc. I, I do kind of side with you a little bit. I feel like he's got a better chance than the other two to at least be around for the start of the season and kind of see what happens and see if he can stay healthy enough to stick around at the bottom of that rotation and eat innings. And that's really when it comes to all three of these guys, exactly what the Orioles are looking for. They're just looking for, like you said, warm bodies to eat innings, and I think he has the most potential to to do that out of these three guys.
1: All right, warm warm bodies is a is a funny description right now because when I think of Felix Hernandez and Matt Harvey, there's nothing warm about them. <laughs> they uh, they have not put up good numbers. They didn't play last year. Uh, Bob, uh, let's go with Felix Hernandez. He opted out with COVID last year. His numbers didn't look great before then. Does he have a chance? Is he – we all know he was great years ago. We would have loved to have King Felix. I don't see a king coming into Sarasota. Do you see anything that gives you hope?
2: Uh, not a ton, but I do think he he might have the best chance of breaking camp as part of the starting rotation. He might not be a king, but maybe he can be a prince. As long as he's not a jester, we'll be okay. Uh, I think the reports nice. – <laughs> coming out of uh Atlanta Braves camp last year was that he looked pretty decent compared to where he was before that and i'm i'm thinking maybe you know a year off get that arm rested maybe it can it can uh heal all the way back to 2015 2016 levels and he can give us maybe league average production at least for a little bit
1: yeah and it is true that the statistics computers all that stuff has gotten way better, especially in the private market for what guys are doing, working out outside of and away from teams. So Paul, mm-hmm. do you think he's got it? He's found anything.
3: You know, you can't look at a guy like Felix Hernandez at this point in his career and say that he's got it. He used to have it. He doesn't have it anymore. Um, all we can really go on is what he did last spring. And last spring he had that one nine RA and four starts in just over 13 innings. Um, look, he's been, he's been ba- pretty bad. Uh, since 2017 Uh, but he's also been pretty unhealthy since 2017 Uh, am I expecting to see Felix Hernandez come in here and pitch to a three and a half ERA no absolutely not I don't think that he signs with the Orioles uh, and I don't think the Orioles sign him without the intent of putting him into that starting rotation which is why I think that he and the same thing with Matt Harvey and these guys it's the name recognition and we'll get to Matt Harvey in a little bit but it's Felix Hernandez isn't signing that deal if he doesn't think that he's going to make that starting rotation. And I think that the Orioles feel the same way. Is he going to – I think the best you can hope for is maybe you get 20 starts out of him. Maybe you get a four-and-a-half ERA, which would be one of the better pitchers in the Orioles' rotation last year. You know, so and, – and that's still – at this point where baseball is now with offense being at a at a at one of the highest levels it's ever been at, that's still a valuable play, player that can be traded at the deadline. Um, but I think that's really the best the Orioles can hope for. We're not seeing Cy Young, Felix come back through that door. Not like he said, uh, like Bob said, we're not seeing the King. We're seeing a, maybe a Prince, hopefully not a Jester. Um, it's, it remains to be seen what he's going to be, but I'm hopeful that he can at least stick in the rotation and stick around for a couple of months.
1: All right. Andrew, the guy, they didn't sign these guys because of their names. They signed them because they expect the innings out of these guys. Well, expect, expect
0: is an interesting word. By the way, I think we need to get that line printed up on a T-shirt already. Like <laughs> it's been used twice, and it's a good line, so I think we can go with it. Um, I, I expect is an interesting word. I think I think the next month to to six weeks determines what to expect because you you first and foremost need to see these guys who are you know in baseball terms older guys. You need to see them get through. Healthy, And you need to see them get through, you know, actually showing something, showing some ability to throw the ball over the plate, get outs, not just, you know, go out there and go through the motions. So I think the next six weeks or so really determines what the expectations will be. I mean, to Paul's point, I think if they're going out and making 20 starts and putting an ERA anywhere close to four or five, I think that's the absolute yes. best case scenario. I think that's a complete and total win. Um, I don't expect that whatsoever. I, I would expect way worse than that. But if, if that thing, if that kind of thing were to happen, this is a win from, from any one of these three guys, much less two or three of them.
1: Yeah, no, I see uh, Jimmy from Bleacher Birds is commenting that he would bet anyone uh, that Hernandez will have an ERA under 3.5. I think we would all jump on that bet. No one, no one, that would be an amazing year from him. We're all expecting your standard Oriole pitcher of a four to five ERA and get through some innings. Um, When I look at Matt Harvey and that fastball getting slower and slower and a guy that the Mets moved to the pen and then moved on with, I don't even know if Matt Harvey's gonna break camp with this team. Um, Bob, do you see Matt Harvey as a guy?
2: I think they're going to give him every chance to prove that he can do that. Uh, I was listening to Locked On Orioles today, uh, good podcast. Shout out to Connor Newcomb. They had the guy that uh, Matt Harvey was working out at. It was like a driveline type of place here. I think it was in Maryland. Sorry if I'm wrong, but uh, they he went there last week for a few days to really try to iron out some kinks in his delivery. And they said he's touching 93 to 97, and he's got that life on his fastball again. Of course. Of course, they're going to say that, but you know, maybe the Orioles got some inside information, got to see some of those numbers, and took a flyer on him. And if that's the case, maybe he can make the team. But if not, maybe he'll flame out. But I think he'll at least get the chance to prove one way or the other.
1: Yeah, Paul, the Orioles have a great record of bringing veteran pitchers in.
3: Oh, yeah. We I mean, Matt Harvey <laughs> saying
1: he's going to add some speed to his fastball, I don't have any hope
3: yeah it, when you mention these three starters that they've signed i look at him as the worst of the three um he hasn't he hasn't been very good in about four or five years um the, the thing with matt harvey is i think that matt harvey buys into his own hype now look i don't know the guy from adam but just what the what i get from him is he still thinks he's the dark knight Um, And if he's touching 95, that's great. But a lot of guys can ramp it up to throw 95 once or twice coming out of the bullpen. Can you touch 93 to 97 uh, when you're, when we need you to go five, six, seven innings. And I don't think that Matt Harvey has that in him. I think that he's going to get every opportunity because there's a ton of opportunity uh, down in Sarasota right now. And the Orioles, honestly, you're going to need nine, 10, 11 starters to get through this year after the shortened year last year, they mentioned they might go to that six man rotation, He's got an inside track, but it's up to him to go out there and perform, and I just don't know that he's capable of it right now.
1: All right, Andrew, I, I like, we'll, we'll, let's get back to that six-man rotation in a minute because I think it's hilarious that we have one set starter and we're talking about going six-man. And, and, <laughs> but, Andrew, sticking with Matt Harvey, do you, it, there's plenty of opportunities in Sarasota, but come June, July, you see, are we going to have like dark night t-shirt night in, uh, in Camden Yards? he's someone that we're even going to claim?
0: No. I mean, like I said, of of these three guys that we've been talking about, Harvey is the one that I have the least faith in. And that's not like, like Paul said, I don't know the guy. I don't root against him. He's, you know, technically by way of, of invite to spring training and Oriole now. So I'm going to root for him. Um, But this is a guy that had to go through an injury uh, with the thoracic outlet syndrome. And that most of the time, like, you know, I don't know the numbers, but overwhelmingly most of the time ends careers, especially for pitchers. So that kind of surgery and that kind of injury history, it's just it, it doesn't bode well for a guy like that. So there's no expectation that it's going to be anything. But I mean, frankly, I don't expect him to make the team. Um, but even if he did, I'm not going to expect him to go out and pitch well, or even if it's out of the bullpen pitch, well, um, whatever the case, it's just, you know, with, with all three of these guys, it's like, you're taking a shot on all three and that's fine and and well and dandy. The problem is it, it seems like the Orioles, you know, and I know that, that internally they won't feel this way, but from, from. An outer standpoint, externally looking at this, it looks like the Orioles have plans to make these three guys three members of the rotation, or maybe two out of three of them part part of the rotation. And internally you have to know like there's no expectation of that actually happening but externally when you look at it you're like oh they're signing these three veteran pitchers to to be a part of their rotation that doesn't look great because there's no expectation for any three of them you know john it's john means and then who who else so right. um it's just you know it's it it's it's fine to take a shot on these guys but they can't ever be part of a plan they just have to be you know um wild cards basically
3: yeah I- Josh, I wanted to say you you um you mentioned a little bit earlier that you don't think that the Orioles sign these guys because of their names, but I think that there's something to that. I think that you know they they look at these guys and there's name recognition with Felix Hernandez and with and with Matt Harvey. And if you go based on their track records, that's over the last three or four years, these guys aren't signing anywhere. It's because of their names that they still have jobs and the potential that this is what they used to be. Could they be even a semblance of that still? So I think very, it's very much in play that the Orioles sign these guys because of their names, especially when two of them didn't even pitch last year.
1: All right. Well, I think when they put the big banners up at Camden Yards ready for opening day, you know, you put Trey Mancini up there, you put Santander up there, and you just put the shadows of
3: these guys up there. You know? <laughs> well, that's what they are at this point, right? right? Exactly.
1: The other thing,
0: too, about that, though, Paul, is like y- you can also get away with giving a guy like Felix Hernandez or Matt Harvey or Wade Lamont. Like you can give them a minor league deal with an invite to spring training with the expectation that they've got to go earn it because of where they are in their career. With anyone else, there might be an expectation of something more. But with these guys, because of their names, that's what they can get. Like They, they can get that that free pass to spring training to, to come prove it. But if you're looking at younger guys or, or even prospects within your own system to do, you know, there's a little bit more of an expectation that of growth there with these guys, you can just throw that invite out and say, come prove it to me.
3: It's an excellent point.
0: Yeah. yeah. I honestly
2: think they just want these guys to buy them a month or two so they can get these minor league arms up to speed enough where if they come to the major league level, they're not expected to throw over hundred innings.
1: And, and I think you, you can't look at these guys without also taking apart that these three guys together cost you just over $2 million (laughs) if they're in your rotation.
0: That's the most
1: important part. They don't make your Mm -hmm. rotation. They cost you even less. Yeah. So, I mean, we're looking at the lowest salary, I think for in Orioles history for this year, maybe, maybe pushing MLB records with the low salary this year. So that definitely fits the narrative. All right. So let's talk about the rotation real quick. We got John means he's, he's, our ace. Uh, Andrew, is John Means really an ace? No. Or is he our guy that happens to be number one? The latter. I mean, we, the Orioles haven't had an
0: ace, which I hate that term anyway, but the Orioles haven't had an ace since Mike Mussina. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. Right. Um, the, the the term ace is thrown around really, really loosely. There are maybe four or five aces in the game of baseball right now. All right, well, um, I'm,
1: not, I'm not calling him elite, but let's say every team needs at (laughs) least a guy that you can count on, and that baseball has come to term an ace, and for us, it's John Means. Yeah,
0: if every team has an ace in 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 their deck of cards or pitching rotation, then yes, he is our ace. He is the guy that is going to be expected to anchor this rotation, if you will. Um, but that, you know, he, he pitched really well toward the tail end of last season, which is promising because it started out really poorly for him. Obviously, he dealt with a tragedy in his family. Um, he dealt with an injury right off the bat. And those are things that, you know, and especially with everyone going through, you know, just a weird season, you can give them a little bit of leeway coming off of the all-star campaign in 2019. But the way he pitched down the stretch last season, and again, small sample size, all the the warnings and caveats in place, but the way he pitched down the stretch last season gives you some hope that he can come into this season, hopefully refreshed and renewed and ready to go and ready to actually, you know, be part partially the pitcher that he was in 2019. And that's something to, you know, we're talking about expectations. That is, I think, something that the Orioles can hopefully expect and rely upon. And that would be great. All
1: right. Paul, is he, is he in that number one slot, or is he kind of just penciled in there and we wait and see what happens at the spring, or does he get a free pass because of the end of last
3: season? Well, he, he gets a free pass because he was an all-star in 2019 because of the way that he finished last season. Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere to become a, a quality major league pitcher, but he's, he's an ace in the same way that uh, Chris Tillman, was an ace or Rodrigo Lopez was an ace where he's your best, most established starter right now. And he's getting that ball on opening day. I mean, two years ago it was Alex Cobb and I don't think anybody looks at Alex Cobb and says, that's an ace. That's just your best, most established pitcher. Um, I think Dean Kramer can get up there. I think that I do think that John means is a quality pitcher. I think he's one of the a, a pitchers in the top half of starting pitchers in baseball. Uh, and I think the Orioles are lucky to have him. Uh, but I don't think that he is an ace. I don't think that he's number one starter on a lot of winning teams. And that's where we are with yours. They're not a winning team. So a guy like John means is a de facto ace.
1: We'll get to that winning percentage in a minute. Yeah. But Bob, with this rotation outside of John means I've got Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer written down. Is that what you guys see as the rotation? Those guys and plus some old guys. Am I missing anyone?
2: I mean, you might see Jorge Lopez thrown in there. You might see some of these Rule 5 picks get a shot. Max Tiroler or uh, Tyler Wells. That seems like a long shot to me, too. You might see Bruce Zimmerman get a shot. I mean, he came up. He, he showed at least something at the end of last year, and he, he had a nice spring training in 2020. And I think Alexander Wells, Zach Luther are long shots, but there's plenty of arms that could go in these in these spots. But I think you you sign these older guys so that the young guys have to earn the way on and they're not just handed that right out of the gate.
1: All right. Andrew, anyone else in this rotation? Any thoughts?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I, Bob Bob kind of named the, the, the candidates there. But as you said, it, I, I think Aiken and Kramer have the inside track. But at the same time, a lot is, you know, kind of like I said with the veterans, a lot's going to be determined over these next six weeks, just in terms of who can stay healthy um, and who can build their arm strength up to be able to be ready to rip week one of the season and 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 make those first few games and, and make their first starts. All
1: right. And, Paul, we're all looking past this season. Everything we watch this season is looking ahead. So who's the guy that you're uh, looking ahead to the 2023 or wherever? Uh that's gonna you hope to see join this team this season
3: for me the most exciting guy that you can anticipate pitcher. this year pitcher right that's what I'm talking pitcher. about All right. All right. um is michael ballman I, I think the the michael ballman what what he brings to the table where he was he was pitching down uh, I believe was it was it Frederick and which one was high was it Frederick or Delmar I can never it's Frederick, Frederick he was pitching yeah, he was he was pitching at Frederick and he was lights out. And then he goes up to Bowie, throws a no hitter on uh, on less than 100 pitches, still popping 97 in the ninth inning. Has four quality pitches that he can throw for strikes, and his ERA was lower at Bowie than it was at at Frederick. I, I think that's a guy that a lot of people, myself included, are excited for. I don't know that come 2023, he is you know a top two or three starter. He might be your number four or number five, given the talent that you have coming through the pipeline. But Michael Ballman is certainly a guy who has a chance to stick in the rotation, but at the very worst, he's going to be a power closer at the back end of your bullpen. And that's somebody I'm super excited to see pitch.
1: All right, Bob, I'm excited that you jumped on the 2023 bandwagon with Section 336. Unfortunately, we we made that prediction before the COVID year. So I'm still sticking with 2023. (laughs) Who in this rotation in 2020 do you think will still be around in 2023 and be an important part?
2: Dean Kramer, for me, um, maybe the pure numbers weren't exactly lights out last year, but a lot of the analytics, I think, uh, what's his name? Alex Fast on Twitter had mentioned that where he p- posted um, the top 10 swinging with percentages or something, and Kramer was up there with the likes of Jacob deGrom and all the familiar names that are there. I thought his stuff looked pretty good in the limited time we got to see him. And I just really liked how much of a gamer he was. Even I think against the Yankees, his second start looked pretty rough in that first inning. He he gritted it out, battled through, and then was able to go pretty lights out from there to finish five or six innings. So, I think I think he's a, a special arm, and he might end up being the best guy we got back from that Manny Machado trade.
1: All right, Andrew, all the pitchers that showed up today, and they're showing up. They're doing a little staggered start, a little weird stuff. But of all these pitchers coming into Sarasota. Which is the one you're watching for this for the future beyond this season?
0: Well, I mean, I would echo Paul by saying Michael Bauman. Um, but if I had to name another one, it would be Carter Walmer. Um, such a young guy. Um, maybe not quite by 2023 because we're talking about a 18, 19 year old here. Um, but you know, even beyond that, I would think that he's a guy to, to one to watch. Um, but I, like I, like Paul said, Michael Bauman is one that I think not even enough like prospect lists are really talking about. He's he's kind of the one that falls a little bit under the radar, even though he had the, you know, the no-hitter and the standout performance. Um, I, I think he's one that could end up, even if he's like like Paul said, not not a top of the rotation guy, but a guy that can be solid and and just a guy that can be, even if he's not a, you know, even if he's a fifth, sixth starter type, that would be great because the Orioles are going to need all those types um here in another two or three years when they are hopefully Starting to maybe become competitive. All
1: right, and you guys can't believe none of you guys named the guy that intrigues me the most, Michael Janis, the guy who's been in the minor (laughs) leagues for ten years with a knuckleball. (laughs) So we were leaving him for you, Josh. Of course, I want to see, I want to see Tanner Scott, Mickey, and Hunter Harvey close out games in that order. You put in two fastballs with a stupid knuckleballer in the middle. And I, it's a knuckle know, sandwich. Matters. <laughs> <laughs> Again, because it's this season and nothing matters this season, as fan graphs has proved this week as they set, upset everyone coming out and predicting that the Orioles have a 0.0, 0 chance of making the postseason this season.
3: Uh, Paul, did this irritate you? Um, I mean – <laughs> They're not okay, let me preface this by saying they're not wrong. The Orioles aren't gonna make the playoffs this year. They just didn't right?
1: show enough decimal points.
3: Right, but the the, the exactly the thing here is uh, the, the Orioles seem to be a punching bag. Uh, And I get it. That happens when you only have 13 winning seasons in 38 years. You're, you become a laughingstock of baseball. I understand that, but the Orioles are on their way up. And I think that anybody that follows baseball and, and watches the game can, can tell that. So for me, it's a little dead horse that they're still kicking the Orioles when they're down and making them the the punchline when, when there's other teams, uh, the, the pirates are absolutely hopeless. Uh, The Tigers are just as bad. The Royals, yeah, they've added some players, but I still don't think the Royals are are a good baseball team. You clearly Uh, haven't read this
1: Fangraphs report. (laughs) They've got the Tigers at 2% and the Royals at 10%. Yeah, they
3: have the Rockies at 0.1%. Hey, that's uh, higher than zero. It is higher than zero. (laughs) It it is higher than zero. To me, it's like they're not wrong, but – Come on, man. Let's 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 take a step off a little bit and, you know, focus on somebody else because in a couple of years the world's gonna be the ones laughing, it seems to me.
1: Yeah, Andrew, I love the zero point zero because it yeah. means like if all the airplanes crash and all the teams our only team left is the Orioles. They're still not making the postseason.
0: Well, like you said, they just didn't show their work. They didn't show enough decimal places. I I, I heard an interview today with one of the guys from FanGraphs, and he said that if if they would have ran it a million times rather than just ten thousand times, you know, with their simulation. The Orioles certainly would have made the playoffs. So there is, you know, it's there is some one in a million types of of hopes, but when you, you know, when you cut the decimals off where they did, um, you know, it's funny. I like I'm not upset by this obviously because why the heck would I be? <laughs> but what what I laugh at is the people who are upset about it because like what why are we worried about a mathematical simulation that is Just that it's just, it's just a, a projection. Like, why would we be upset about something like that? It, 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 I get that people like, don't want to see their team be like the, like, like Paul said, the punching bag, but guess what? The Orioles are that right now. (laughs) Like we kind of just have to grin and bear it and accept that it is this, these are the dark, times and this is where we're living right now. So I, I don't know. It just it, it makes me chuckle when I hear people get like super bothered by you know seeing zero percent next to the Orioles name because it just doesn't it I don't know man. There's more important things in life right now. It doesn't impact me at all.
1: I agree. I had to I had to just laugh and be entertained by it. If this is the type of thing that upsets you because you think the Orioles have a chance, go on over and put some money on the Orioles yes they are plus twenty thousand which I, I guess. What's that? You win a. You put a dollar down and you get two thousand back. Uh, Not bad. No. Yeah, Let's I believe see. that's right. No. No. You, know, you 200, more than that. Two hundred bucks. You only get two hundred well. bucks. But if you put down a hundred bucks, just think of the money you'd get. And then you get your twenty thousand.
2: You get negative one hundred dollars.
1: Right. Yeah. Negative one hundred. <laughs> exactly. It's all if you're into that one in a million. um Bob, we are the punching bag. The Onion story on spring training was about the Orioles. <laughs> Fangraphs is about the Orioles. Orioles, The Orioles account and Fangraphs, I thought, handled this great on social media going back and forth. Fangraphs uh, saw the outrage and they responded with a new chart that had everyone at 100% and the Orioles still at 0%. <laughs> so, Bob, what's your take on this? I mean – the
2: Orioles aren't trying to win, so why would they be anything above 0.0? And it's also, we're not, they're not saying that we're the worst team in major leagues. We're just playing in a tough division, and we're one of the worst teams. But I do hear Paul's point about how we are the poster boy for tanking, even though there's about 10 or 12 other teams doing the same exact thing. But we'll have the last laugh in the end.
1: Yeah, but how many of those teams signed Matt Harvey, Felix Hernandez, and Wade LeBlanc to be true rotation candidate people? There's there
0: can only be one. No
1: one it's the best.
0: It's the time machine theory. We're just trying to win the division in 2012. That's all.
1: Yeah, and if you look at this FanCraft thing, it's the Rays fans that should be upset who were in the World Series last year, and now they get an 18% chance of making it again.
2: Yeah, and I do think they'll be better than the Blue Jays, honestly.
3: Yeah, but the, the Blue Jays don't really have any pitching, I guess. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Rays have, uh, uh, they have this tendency to take these pitchers and just turn them into all Cy Youngs. So I, I get, every year I say I don't see how the Rays' roster, as currently constructed, makes the playoffs. And then they go out and win 90 to 96 games. So I, you can't count them out, but I do think they took a step back this year.
1: Right, Andrew, who had the better offseason? The Orioles signing these three pitchers or the Rays signing, uh, trading Snell?
0: Can I just, like, eject myself from the question? Neither, but, I mean... I'm not
1: going to ask you about the Padres or the Dodgers or (laughs) the guys that are actually making moves.
0: I mean, look, I would not want to be a Rays fan for the sake of you can't get attached to any one player. Like, the Orioles at least have some players... On the roster, even right now, like Trey Mancini, perhaps like Anthony Santander, that you can, you can have some affinity for. You can get attached to them. You can think, okay, this is a guy that might be around for a little while. Um, you know, I would bring Chris Davis's name up in that situation, but that that would just go poorly. But the Ra- Rays fans can't do that, and they never have really been able to do that. They've had their success, and they do a really good job with that. But like, they can't get attached to guys like David Price or Chris Archer or Blake Snell because they always. Trade them away, and they always depart. So, you know, I'm. I think uh, if, of all the fan graphs things, I'm. I'm most upset about. You know, they give the the Red Sox like a near fifty percent chance, and there is a team in the American League East that we're talking about here that finished above the Red Sox last year. Like, let's not forget, the Orioles weren't even the, the worst team in the division last a, a season ago, as, as bad as things have been.
1: That's true. But <laughs> did the Orioles do anything this offseason to get? better or did they find ways to get worse
0: yes they they did because they are going into this season with no intention to win to set them up to be better down the road so better for the short term no but better for the long term yes because they're gonna gonna try and go out this year and lose 100 games and get a better draft pick for next season and
1: they might make the most money this year going into this season especially if there's no (laughs) fans in baseball (laughs) They could with the tiny salaries So, all right. Any uh, other takeaways about pitchers and catchers reporting today? We'll get to we'll get to position players uh, early next week as they report next week.
3: I do want to point out, Andrew. I'm not sure if you know or not that Carter Ballmer just recently had Tommy John surgery.
0: No, I didn't hear that. But again, down down the line, down the line, like that's a guy. And look, Tommy John surgery is obviously a a less of a big deal than it was in the past, but. Mm -hmm still like one of those things that we've seen guys come back from. So hopefully he can do oh, that.
3: yeah, I, I, I certainly have a lot of high hopes. I mean, there's a reason that you draft him and you give him money to forego his commitment. I was, I, I, he hurt his elbow and in instruction. I didn't know if you knew that. Cause I yeah. I hadn't heard that. No. And I appreciate yeah. the info, but, but like the
0: age thing is the other thing, because I'm looking yeah. at guys that are in there that are teenagers who could maybe be 23, 24 by the time this thing is really rolling. And 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 I'm still in the camp that thinks it could be another five years or so, maybe six years before this thing is truly humming. Um, I know nobody wants to hear that, That's but I'm just gonna, gonna that? be that I'm just gonna be that guy that that says it because it could be possible.
3: Well, now, Josh, I know that you're you're the host of this right now, but I do want to ask the question. Then if it is another five years before, like you said, this thing is really humming doesn't that kind of make the rebuild a bit of a failure? Because then you're looking at going on eight to ten years of a rebuild. I feel like that makes this thing a failure, does it not? I think, I think it all depends
1: where you see the bottom
3: is. I would like to think that
1: really last year had to be the bottom. I can't – if you're going another five years, we haven't hit bottom yet. And mm. That's my fear. I would be more hopeful that we rebound in three years, but we're still built up to last through the next five years after that. The whole point of this rebuild is to get the farm system to a point that it continues on and on and on. Not to be a one and done team. Right.
0: I see la- I see last year more as a throwaway year rather than bottom. They didn't even finish bottom of the division like I just said. I see it more of a that was a hiccup in what should have been, you know, this this rebuild because of the way that, you know, everything got changed with last year. There was no minor leagues. So that's obviously going to impact what you're trying to do in terms of development.
1: Yeah. It's impossible to really know how last year affected this rebuild and baseball in general. What do you think?
2: From a talent perspective, I do agree with Paul that last year was the bottom. I think just overall the talent on the team, I think Adley Rutschman could be up as soon as the end of this year, but most likely sometime next year. I don't think they're going to want to waste the prime years of his Career uh, by continuing to go through the prolonged rebuild. So I think next year's we're going to start to try to hover around 500, and 2023, watch out World Series. Yeah, I kind of maybe 2024. I think,
1: I think maybe the bottom ended when we got rid of Alex Cobb. There was like then no one else that we could get rid of on this team. Now, of course, there's still talk of maybe you trade Mancini, maybe you trade Chancader. <laughs> I was going
0: to say, be they careful what you wish
1: ways.
3: for. Yeah, well, be careful. The whole trading Trey Mancini thing, is it wrong for me to say that I get it because no, he's, no, because he's do. he's 29 years old and he probably doesn't factor in to when, into your next championship ball club? Absolutely. Get, no. You know, Santander makes sense too, although I I, I personally, and Josh, you gave me some flag for it when I said it last summer. I think Santander might be the best player to come out of this rebuild, not named Adley Rutschman. Um but I, again, he's, a, he's got four years of team control. Trading these guys, as much as people don't want to hear, it makes sense, you know? Big you know, time.
1: Mancini, especially for a guy that you don't really have a position for. You moved him into a position that didn't fit. You've got a bunch of first basemen. You've got a bunch of outfielders. Mancini makes a whole lot of sense. You're just not allowed to say it out loud.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, guys.
1: But I think, yeah, going into the trade deadline, as Oriole fans, we need to root for him to be really hot because you want to trade him on this top right now is not the time to trade him because he's not top value
2: let him go play for a contender nothing wrong with that
1: all right there you go you're thinking about him that would be the appropriate Orioles fan uh <laughs> responses is, is yeah, we don't care about the Orioles let's care for Mancini and what's best for him all right guys well thanks for hopping on and doing this again tonight I'm not sure what the next one will be, but we're going to at least do it every Wednesday. But we've been hopping in a whole lot more impromptu. So make sure you are following uh, Birdland Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and the Birdland Tonight podcast in whatever your favorite podcast app is, which gets the audio version of this so you have it for your commute in the morning. All right, guys. Well, we
3: will talk again soon. Cheers. Good to see you guys.